Hey, my friend, welcome to Fine is a Four-Letter Word. My name is Lori Seitz. I'm an entrepreneur, mentor, founder of Zen Rabbit, and your guide in moving from fine to fantastic. I love inspiring others to listen to their inner voice and encouraging them to take the steps toward fulfilling their soul. Join me here as we navigate through life transformation, moving from that place where you say everything's fine, it's just fine, but you're really feeling a deep undercurrent of suck. How do you move from there to a renewed sense of yourself? You're in the right place for stories and experiences of self-discovery and courage to help you on your journey. And you'll find each episode has an accompanying meditation. Now let's get into it. My guest today is Courtney Bowles, and we're talking about following the rules, asking for what you want, and perceptions that may or may not be true. She also shares a couple of great exercises you can do if you ever find yourself alone and sobbing in your apartment at Christmas. Courtney and I met through the Success Champions Networking Group and connected over our mutual love for the Florida Gators. I didn't hear a whole lot of her story before we had the conversation for this episode, but I knew she had an experience moving from fine to fantastic and that others could benefit from hearing it. Courtney was raised in the Baptist church and taught to be a good girl. She inferred that joy means Jesus, others, you, in that order, which led her to always put herself last. After 15 years of marriage to a fine young man, she finally allowed herself to tell the truth about what was going on in her relationship. With the help of her therapist, Rita, who she calls the patron saint of broken and abused women, Courtney decided to take responsibility for her own choices. She shares what she discovered about her family and herself since then, and how she used one of the lowest points in her life as inspiration to learn and go bigger like the badass she really is. Quick reminder, today's episode is sponsored by Zen Rabbit. Want to add more joy to your life? Zen Rabbit Wisdom gives you weekly tips for doing that every Wednesday. Text the word gratitude to 42828. Hello and welcome to Fine is a Four-Letter Word. My guest today is Courtney Bowles, and I am so excited to hear Courtney's story because when we did our pre-interview chat, I actually did not hear Courtney's story. She said she was going to save it for us to chat about here. So welcome, Courtney. Hi, thank you for having me. Yeah, my pleasure. So I like to start out by asking what the beliefs were that were instilled in you as a child that led, that may have led to some of the decisions that you made as an adult. So tell me about what was childhood like and what beliefs were overtly or maybe, um, you know, just the things that you picked up as you were growing up. Sure. Um, I was raised in the South and mama was a Sunday school teacher and daddy was a deacon at a Southern Baptist church. And so I learned to be a good little girl. Uh-huh. Um, I was, you know, a straight A student. I got the award in kindergarten that my mom still brags about for always doing what she knows is right. But somewhere along the way, it veered off into a bad direction. The church sort of lost its way, unfortunately, and became very legalistic. And that, combined with my mind, which tends to work in an all-or-nothing direction, put me on a track of 
thinking I had to earn things and that if I just worked harder, everything would be okay. Mm, yes, um, I work harder. Trap. <laughs> for example, over my bed and like when I was eight years old, there was a sign that said, joy, Jesus, others, you. Oh. And I, as a wide-eyed eight-year-old in my fairly Sunday school dress, took that to be a list of importance. Mm-hmm. That's what I just thought mm-hmm. of when you said it. Because it was stacked in that order, which meant uh-huh. that everybody else comes first all the time. You are dead last and what you want doesn't matter. You know, and that's, that's not the point of the sign. The point of the sign was probably to love all of those people on that list and mm-hmm. you would have joy. But that's not how I got it. <laughs> well, it's interesting that that's what when you just described it, that's what I thought, too. Yeah. I mean, it was a list. <laughs> right. Right. And so how did that play out? Well, that played out in me trying to follow the path that was laid in front of me and be as good as I possibly could be. But it was a struggle because apparently, or at least from what they would say in public, my friends were just naturally good. And I was like, but I want to touch that boy. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'm human. I'm just Uh, saying. (laughs) Yeah, right. So that became a challenge. And then when I didn't... I didn't have the same experiences they did. And so then I really started to feel like I'm an outsider. And when you're faced with that, there's either two choices for you to think. Either God isn't real and the whole thing doesn't work like I think it does, or something's wrong with me. Mm. I don't have a relationship with God like everybody else talks about, or I don't want to do the right things because something's wrong with me. Okay, so wait, your friends didn't want to touch boys? Or did they, did you have this perception that they were better or different and they really weren't like that? Or were they really like that? You know what, Lori, to this day, some of them I'm not sure. They, like, we never got to the point of circling back around as 40 something year olds and saying, hey. And some of them I really think were like, no, I'm, I'm I wanted to do the right things. They were that okay. earnest and awesome. Wow. Okay. <laughs> All right. I asked because some of the other interviews I've done, I did a, an interview with one of my college friends and we talked about how we thought and felt back then and how our perceptions of ourselves were so different than the perceptions of the other people that we were hanging out with. So I was just curious if that was your experience too. I so. suspect that I idealized them and that the struggles they had were probably minimized. Yeah, we tend to do that especially as young adults, minimize and and amplify our own defects or perceived defects. Yeah. So then you went to University of Florida, go Gators. Go Gators. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) And I got an education, but... (laughs) I'm sure you did. I've heard about that. I never got a degree, but I got an education. (laughs) You know what? Sometimes that is far more important. A lot of times. Indeed. Yeah. So, yeah, I went to Florida and I discovered that people could be good and not legalistically Christian. And that kind of rocked my world. And so, really, I went through a big rebellious phase, broke away, um, stopped doing all of it. And then I plummeted into a major depression. Mm. My parents came and got me. I went moved back home, went up to the local Walmart, met a boy I'd known before and ended up marrying him. Wow. Okay. So I, yeah, cause I did not hear this part of the story. This is, this is where it gets good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Go on. So probably when I was in one of the worst mental states I've ever been was when I met and started dating him. Mm, and it was sort of like 
he's fine. This is fine. He's not crazy. He's got a stable family. Like, is he everything I ever wanted in a man? No, but he's fine. Right. Well, and had you even decided what it really was that you did want in a man? I mean, at that age, we don't really know. No, because I knew it... I had had it laid out in front of me the entire time I was a child. You want this Christian man who's going to mm. blah, blah, blah. And then I was like, well, I don't know that I want that. And then I was at that phase where you don't know what you want. Right. So you're like, well, this, I don't know what I want, but that looks okay. Yeah, that's what's here. I'll take yeah. it. Right. Narrator voice. It did not turn out okay. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. All right. Well, so how long were you married to this fine person? 15 years. Okay. All it right. took me a really long time to realize everything was not fine. So, yeah, that's what I was going to ask you next is, was everything fine for a while and then all of a sudden it wasn't? It was never fine. You just finally woke up. Correct. How did that happen? <laughs> um, basically, I started talking to people and I finally started being honest about my life. Mm. Um, because during that 15 years, every once in a while, I'd see a therapist and they'd ask about my husband and I would gloss over because in the back of my mind, I knew if you get into this, they're going to say there's major problems there. Like I knew it wasn't fine, but I was like, I don't want to deal with it. And I don't want anybody to know because I'm not getting divorced. Like I was dead set on marriages for life. Divorce is not an option, but turns out one of the best ways to realize you're not fine is to be honest about who you are and what your life is like and watch people go. That face. (laughs) Okay. So if if you're not watching the video part of this, (laughs) that's a a wide-eyed like, oh my gosh, this is not okay. Or if people clasp their hand to their mouth immediately when you start Mm -hmm. telling your story and gasp, Those are key signs that, oh, not everybody else is living like this. And that's not how marriage and love is supposed to be at all. Yeah. And then I started, I actually went to a therapist and I finally broke down because she told me, I don't need to like you. Stop trying to be likable to me Mm. and impressive. Just tell me what's going on. And so, and she really, really helped me see. And one of the biggest moments was... We were talking about my marriage and everything, and I was saying, you know, I ask and he doesn't do anything, and I've tried to say I need help, and I'm on the verge of a breakdown, and and she said, so you have a good job, right? And I said, yep. And she said, when you ask for something at work, like if you need a new piece of software or something, do they give it to you? And I was like, yeah, generally I get what I ask for. Mm -hmm. She said, why do you think that is? I was like, well, I'm a valued employee. Oh, because they- Because they value me and he does not. And that caused a whole chain reaction of my thinking of, I don't even really have a marriage because like, I'm not killing a marriage because Mm. we're not married in the sense that that's how marriage is supposed to work. Yeah. You're supposed to love and honor each other. Those are the, do you, Courtney, promise to love and honor? Yeah. There was no honor from Mm. him. So I was like, well, this is not okay. Not only is it not fine, it's absolutely not acceptable. Yeah. And I walked away. How long after that realization did it take you to walk away? Probably another year, um, in part because, again, she was a fantastic therapist, uh, Rita, the patron saint of broken and abused women. (laughs) (laughs) There's a title. Right. Partially because she said, okay, I don't want you to have any regrets and get to the point that you think, well, maybe if I had said more clearly what I needed. Yeah. So she said, we're going to make a list of everything you want out of life. 
and give it to him and see if he'll honor any of it. And because I am who I am, back to the good girl, straight A student, I yep. ended up with like a five page with headers and <laughs> <laughs> bullet different points, categories, different colors. Were there colors? There were no colors, but okay. it was definitely formatted and everything. Yeah. And so gave him the list and I got a Hallmark card and a Starbucks in three months. And I was like, that wasn't on my list. <laughs> yeah, that wasn't on my list. Right. <laughs> Which helped me to see he's only willing to give what he wants to give. It has nothing to do with what I need and what I'm asking for. It's whatever he feels like parceling out in the name of love, which is, yeah. again, not how love works. <laughs> right. Uh, and I would also question whether that was what he wanted or that was just that was all he was capable of. I agree. Looking back on the situation, I'm like, I, I don't know if it's that he wouldn't love me or that he could not, that yeah. he was stunted in his own situation. Right. And either way, it doesn't really matter so much. The fact of the matter is that you weren't getting what you needed Correct. out of that relationship. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, it took me about a year to go through the whole process and be finally ready to say, okay, this is not working. And I've given him every opportunity to meet me where I need to be. And mm -hmm. if I had seen even the smallest sign that he could have, mm -hmm. I would have stayed. I wanted it to work. Yeah. Yeah. But it did not. Yeah. I, I think everybody who makes that kind of decision doesn't do it lightly. I certainly didn't. It was, it's, yeah, you just keep wanting to make it work to, to make sure that you're not making a mistake. Right. Yeah. And there was a element of fear because I thought, okay, I'm horribly unhappy. I'd finally embraced I'm horribly unhappy. It is not fine. Yeah. But then I thought, what if I leave him and it turns out the reason I'm unhappy is me? Mm. Wow. Because it was it was easy to blame things on, well, I don't have friends because he's antisocial. I don't exercise because he doesn't want to. So then I realized with I don't have children. And so it was like, I am going to be 100% responsible for the life I build after this. Yeah, that's scary. It was. <laughs> it is. Yeah. Then you have to take responsibility for yourself. You can't blame somebody else. You can't be complacent anymore. So you did that. How long ago was it that uh, you walked away? 2015. So it's been a little over five years. Okay. Any regrets? No. <laughs> okay. Best decision I ever made. <laughs> all right. But it wasn't all cupcakes and, and uh, daisies. Oh, no. There was moments of sobbing in my new apartment. And uh, the first Christmas I spent alone. Mm. Alone. Yeah. Which is so something that no one should ever go through. Yeah. Um, whatever major holiday you celebrate, having to do it alone is brutal. Um, so, yeah, there was a lot of tough moments where I had to remind myself, one, you chose this and two, it will get better. And three, I used to use a coping strategy where like I can remember sitting at my kitchen table, freaking out that I was alone and divorced. And, and I would ask myself, okay, are you safe? Mm. And I'd look around at the walls and be like, yeah, I'm safe here. Are you warm? Like, you know, do you have mm -hmm. air conditioning or, mm -hmm. uh-huh. Are you going to be that way for the next 30 minutes to an hour? Uh-huh. Okay. Then breathe. Yeah. That was all I could do was be in that kind of a moment. Like, okay, nothing else matters. You're safe. No one's going to hurt you right here. Breathe. Yeah. Sometimes that is what we have to do. What am I okay in this moment? Like bringing yourself back to this very present moment, which is really in this, the whole scope of things, all we ever have anyway. Right. 
but making yourself hyper aware of I'm okay right now and for the next 30 minutes, I can breathe through this and get to the next 30 and the next 30 after that. Yeah. Did you, where did you learn that technique or did you just like, how did you know to do that? I think desperation. Um. (laughs) Okay. Sometimes that's a great tool, resource. Yeah. And I had done a little bit of yoga and meditation. So I did know the, you know, bring yourself back, check in with your body type. It, it was really a variation on that, a more stripped down, desperate, panicky variation of notice the things around you, notice where you are. Okay. Okay. (laughs) Reset. Yeah, that's awesome. And I, I I encourage anybody who's listening who is finds themselves in that anxiety-filled place to use that technique because that is, uh, it sounds like it was very useful. I can see how that would be something that is grounding, especially in that very moment. Was your family, did you have friends or family? Like, what was the outside support for you? I have a lovely family, but my sister lives overseas and my parents live in Florida. I'm in Arizona Mm -hmm. and my parents weren't able to travel. And my sister has five children and she wasn't able to travel, which is why I ended up spending that Christmas alone. Okay. Um, And I also had a very demanding job, so I couldn't fly to them. Yeah. Okay. Uh, So I do have family, but they're very long distance. And then- Were they supportive of your decision to leave? Yes. Okay. Okay. I wasn't Um, sure because given the the description of the the whole religion part of it when you were growing up, I wasn't sure if they would then be supportive when you finally decided you had to do that. Yeah, they are. They, I mentioned the church got off track. Turns mm-hmm. out my family is way more loving and supportive and kind and compassionate than I realized. Mm. Um, I thought they'd be much more judgmental. And even to okay. this day, sometimes I'll tell them something and think they'll be judgmental and they never are. <laughs> so that's so interesting too that you had these ideas and these beliefs that maybe weren't really true. Correct. <laughs> <laughs> so when you got to when you had to examine them now, you're like, wait a minute, this isn't really how I th- what I thought was reality isn't isn't true. Yes, which I tend to be one of those people who feels like I'm responsible for other people's reaction, and so I will forecast how I think you're going to react. Like, mm. oh, if I told Lori I need to delay this, she'll be upset. Same great therapist asked me one time, just off the cuff, are you God? And I was like, <laughs> what? She's like, are you God? I'm like, well, no. And she's like, oh, because you act like you are, like you can control how people are going to respond based on what you do. And I was like, oh, no, she didn't. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. Hey, you just keep coming with these revelations. Right. But it was a, so occasionally I'll laugh to myself now when I'm trying to handle everything and control. I'm like, Hey, you're not God. Stop. Yeah. Um, Interesting. Back to your other question. Did I have friends? The answer was no. People always hear about abusive relationships and they say like, if he isolates you Mm -hmm. and much like you hear about, well, someone offers you drugs and you picture it's going to be the after school special. That's right. The way he isolated me was to pout if I was going to do something with friends or to make the rest of the night miserable when I came home, like, glad you have fun, blah, blah, blah. Mm. And so I actually voluntarily gave up having friends and socializing. He didn't say, like I always pictured in my head, it would be, Mm -hmm. you can't have friends. Mm -hmm. He just made it so uncomfortable for me to have them that I was like, well, I won't go if you're going to be upset if I go. Yeah. To the point that I ended up with no one. 
Now, it turns out I had some fantastic coworkers that stepped up as friends Uh uh and helped me through the process. Yeah. But yeah. Wow. So then you had to go out and find yourself some friends. (laughs) I did. Um, And it was on my list of things I wanted when I made the list that I wanted in that life. Yeah. There was an entire category and I felt like a sad little dork making it, but it was a huge thing I wanted. I said, a girlfriend to have wine with. Couple yeah. people to go on a road trip. Um, someone I can call if I'm sad. Like those are, it's still in my phone. The list. Let's go back to that list for a second because I think that list is so important. It, whether you're looking for someone to step up, like you were making it to to ask him to, you know, if he was willing to do give you any of those things. Whether you're in a situation like that or not, when you're thinking about what, do, how do I want to create this life that I want? that this life that will fill my soul with joy, making that list sounds kind of, I don't know, woo-woo or like ridiculous sometimes, but I've made lists and you're talking about making a list. I just think that is so beneficial to help you sort out what what do you want? What do you don't want? What don't you want? Yeah, even and I think you, a lot of people, go ahead. I was going to say, even if you're starting from a point of, okay, I know I don't want this. I don't want that. I don't want, if you don't know what you do want yet, start with the list of what you don't want and then flip it around. What would be the opposite of that? And I was just going to add that I think a lot of people are willing to make lists of, here are the goals I want. Mm-hmm. And like I say, I felt stupid. I'm like, I cannot believe I'm writing down that I want a girlfriend I can call if I'm sad. Yeah. Or you know, whatever it was, but it's been really helpful to have that list and look back with it because I could say, oh, I want to pass my associates in captive insurance or I want to work out five times a week. That'll bring me some joy, but why not make a list of the things like friends and the attributes you're looking for? Because those quote unquote intangible elements are something you can look for and they are the things that will make you, they make the life worth living. Yes. Yes. So I'm so glad that you mentioned that you made that list and that that's the main point of what we're, you know, your story. Great. Thanks for sharing. No, (laughs) I do appreciate it. But I think one of the key elements to come out of what we're talking about is the importance of making that list because it helps you recognize what is important to you. And again, what's going to bring you joy? Yes. So do you cross things off the list now as you accomplish them? Or as you accomplish, as you achieve, you know, you get a friend that now you have a friend you could go have wine with. I don't necessarily cross things off the list. I do look back on the list and partially the friend section because I now have an amazing group of friends, lots of different people I can call. Yeah. That's almost become a sentimental thing to me at this point to remind me of where I was. Mm-hmm. And also to remind me that there are people out there that are still looking for that because Now that I've made friends and had friends, I want to be able to look for the person who doesn't have them Yeah, and help them find them. Yeah. And that's a thing that we've talked about before and that I've heard from other people about how difficult it is to make friends as an adult. Yeah. It's tough. And no one wants to feel awkward. It's like junior high all over again, but we're 40, 50 something and we're like, oh my God, I... I'm too old to feel this embarrassingly awkward. I should be better at this. (laughs) Right. Well, and that's what your program, the podcast that you've been talking about creating in your program is going to help people with that whole friend making process. So I'm really excited for you to 
get working on that. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I'm excited too. Um, cool. Yeah, because it I messed it up a lot along the way, but I definitely learned some things that I think I can teach other people with. And um, I mentioned I spent Christmas alone. Well, after I spent Christmas alone, I decided, okay, you can take that experience and you can either put it in your bank as a sad, sad memory, or you can use it to do good. Mm. So then I started hosting open houses on Christmas Eve for people who didn't have anywhere to go. I love that. Well, my first year, I had one or two people and it was terrible, just terrible. Okay. And I had to have another gut check moment and say, okay, you can say, okay, I failed at this. I'm not ever going to do it again. Or you can take what you learned and try again. Hmm. And I decided I'd take what I learned and try it again. And so next year it was much better. And then the third year it ended up, <laughs> there were like 50 people in my 900 square foot apartment. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. People still talk about that. Remember that time you, I'm like, yes, yes. <laughs> Look at that great memory you created for all those people and yourself. Yes. That's awesome. awesome. So yeah, it's that kind of learning from what you go through that can help you take it from fine to fantastic. Like, yeah. okay, this isn't fine. Do I just say, okay, well, that was a waste? Or do I say, okay, let me just try it again, but do something slightly different until I can make it good. Yeah. Use it as inspiration. Yeah. Love it. All right. Well, we close out every episode with my question of what is that song, your walk-up song, your hype song, the song that gets you completely pumped up when you need extra courage or enthusiasm? What's your song, Courtney? I don't know that I have a song I use for extra enthusiasm, but if I had to have a walk-up song, I'm a San Francisco Giants fan. Okay. And they had a player named Michael Morse who played the game with absolute joy and abandon. Like, you ever seen a Labrador just run around that happy, complete yes. freedom, dopey tail wagon? It, yeah. I mean, he had flowing brown hair. When he would run the bases, all I could think was that looks like a dog off the leash, like just happy. <laughs> <laughs> he was a goofball. And I love being a goofball. And I love getting people involved in being goofballs. Yeah. His walk up song was uh, Take Me On by AHA. Yes. Because the crowd would try and hit the high notes. <laughs> okay. And you could kind of see there's two kinds of people. Those who are like, I'm going to nail this. I'm going to go for it. And those who are rolling their eyes like, you guys are so embarrassing. Yeah. Wait, so let in me honor guess. Him, you were the ones who were like, you were among the, I'm going to nail this. Oh, yeah. With complete uh -huh. gestures and, you know, fake yeah. microphone and all. Awesome. So, yeah, I think in honor of him, it would be that just to see people act like idiots and have yeah. fun doing it. Good song, too, though. True. Fun yeah. video all around. Awesome. All right. So lastly, if people want to get in touch with you first, we will put a link to that song in the show notes. <laughs> okay. And if people want to get in touch with you, what is the best way to do that? If they wanted to talk to you about making friends or anything that you shared today, um, what's the best I way do have a group you? on Facebook in support of the upcoming podcast called Making Friends. They can get in touch with me there. I can share the link or they okay. can just Google Making Friends. I'm on Facebook. They can find me, Courtney Bowles, or they can find me on Instagram at Contemporary Scarlet, or they yes. can reach out to you and I'll happily have a chat with anybody that you introduce me to. Sounds good. We'll put, we'll put links to all of that in the show notes as well to make it really easy for everyone. Okay. Thank you so much for joining me today, Courtney, on Fine is a Four-Letter Word. Thank you, Lori. What a great conversation with Courtney. Here are a few key points for you to take away from what she shared in this episode. Number one, 
one of the best ways to realize you're not fine is to be honest about who you are and what you're going through. Number two, you are not responsible for how other people respond or react. Number three, when you stay in unhappy situations, it's easy to blame that unhappiness on someone else. Once you step out, though, it can be difficult to then take responsibility for building your own life. Number four, sometimes it's all you can do to focus on this very moment, breathing through the next 30 minutes, and that's okay. Number five, make a list of the things you want in your life that make life worth living. It will help you recognize what's important to you. Thanks for being here and subscribing to Fine is a Four-Letter Word. Please share this show with a friend. If you're feeling especially generous, leave a review so other women like you can discover the show too. It's on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Stitcher, and all the major podcast directories. And I'd love to hear what's happening in your world. Join me on social. On Instagram, it's Zen underscore rabbit. You can find links to the other platforms at zenrabbit.com. Before you go, remember to take a moment to think about what you're grateful for today. And lastly, you can find this week's meditation queued up right after this episode, or maybe it's just before, depending on where you're listening. Look for it. You'll find it because you always find exactly what you're looking for. Remember that. <laughs>